0: Good morning, everyone. I am Michael, if I haven't met you before. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here, and uh, it's good to see you all. I'm super excited to be here this morning. If you're a guest, I want to extend that welcome and say we're super glad that you're here. Please don't um, please don't rush off. There is coffee afterwards. So it'll be cool to get to know you and, and meet you um, afterwards. And so we have, uh, two weeks ago, started a new teaching series um, which, is, which is called This I Believe. And uh, it's something that we've done and we've pulled uh, essentially some core principles out of the Apostles' Creed and we've been, we've been unpacking those. So two weeks ago Matt kicked it off for us and we started on God the Father and then last week my lovely wife Monique over there with his four little rascallions, or well, the four boys of mine. And for those of you that are wondering, we're not gonna try for a girl, it hasn't worked out for us, um, we're very content. Um, and so, so yeah, so we did God the Father, we've done uh, Jesus last week, and this morning we'll look at the Holy Spirit, and so if you're wondering what the Apostles' Creed is, it is a statement of faith uh, from as far back as the, the second century, um, so it's, it's, it's a tried and tested thing, and you might wonder what's so important about the Apostles' Creed, like we have, we have the Bible, what's the, actually that's paramount, and it absolutely is, right, as a church that's what we believe, Scripture is is God-breathed and it's the most important. Uh, The Apostles' Creed is is simply a statement of faith, a summary, so just what we believe condensed. And that's super helpful, right? Whether you are trying to uh, teach someone who's newly come to Jesus, whether you're trying to disciple your kids, whether you need to give a reason for the hope of what you believe, having a a summary is super helpful. And so, um, in those cases, this is tried and tested, right? For thousands of years, across several denominations, this is the one thing that everyone is Christians look at Scripture and can agree on. And so uh, it's a super uh, helpful thing to lean into. And so I'm going to read the Apostles' Creed for us if, um, if you haven't heard it before. Uh, we did send it out on the WhatsApp groups uh, about two weeks ago, so it is in there if you want to read along with me. Otherwise, I'll just read it. So the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit and in the Holy Catholic Church. It's the global church if you're wondering. Uh, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life Everlasting. So this morning we're going to look at the Holy Spirit and uh, much like Matt and Monique have said, these are vast topics, each each of their own, right? We couldn't possibly give you an exhaustive teaching on God or, the, or, or, or Jesus, the Holy Spirit in, in 25 odd minutes. Um, and so I'm somewhat embracing that. This is not going to be an all conclusive teaching. And so um, if we're honest, this is an overview and this is something that if... Uh, if there's something that you're questioning or there's something that resonates with you, I'd hate for you to just walk away and be like, oh, that was cool, but to actually engage, whether that's in life group or with, with a leader or with a friend, but it's important for us to actually wrestle through this stuff and, and understand what, what, we're, what we believe. This is pretty fundamental to our belief, and so this is not gonna be exhaustive, and if there are things that are question marks or exclamation marks that come up this morning, I wanna encourage you to engage with that in the, in the days and weeks to come right so embracing that we only have 25 minutes uh i'm gonna try and do four things this is 4 i'm gonna answer four questions for us the first one is who is the holy spirit the second one is what does the holy spirit do the third one is why is the holy spirit central to what we believe and then the fourth one is if i believe all of this how am i to live okay so let's just jump right in um who is the holy spirit the holy spirit is god Uh, We see that he's part of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's not subordinate to the Father and the Son. He is in equal harmony with them both. He's sharing all God's characteristics, but yet he's got his own unique manifestation, the Holy Spirit. We see this across Scripture from the very beginning with glimpses through the Old Testament, the New Testament, right to the end of Scripture, into today. And we can look at the very beginning of Scripture. You go to Genesis 1, verse 2. So Genesis 1, 1, God creates... The earth and its just formless, or heavens and earth. Then Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, it says, The earth was without form, and, uh, and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Essentially just like an abyss. And the Spirit of God, that's Him, coming in there in verse 2, was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit is hovering over this uncreated form. And he's actually part of, as, this, as, as the word speaks creation, the spirit is, is, is actually creating, uh, and we'll get to that. Um, and so, so we see right in the beginning of scripture, the spirit is there, right? And Jesus affirms this. If you ever wondered, Jesus affirms the Holy Spirit uh, as, as part of the Trinity, Matthew 28, 18 to 19. This is the Great Commission. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is part of the Trinity. Jesus is saying this himself. This is part of, the Holy Spirit is part of God. He is God. Um, And so scripture is clear. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, He is God. Yet, He is so often misrepresented in church today. I I want to take a moment to pause there, because I'm aware that in this room, Everyone here has different preconceived notions of who the Holy Spirit is, what He does, and those are largely informed by your your previous experiences. Some of you may have grown up uh, not knowing God at all and never heard of the Holy Spirit, or grown up in a very conservative upbringing uh, in a church that barely mentioned Him, or you might be on the other spectrum, very evangelical, very charismatic, and seen wonderful and weird things. And I want to ask you that this morning, You would just push pause, push those things aside. In preparing for this morning, I really felt the Holy Spirit wanting us to just kind of push those things aside. So whatever you've experienced or thought, the preconceived notions that you might have, and let the Holy Spirit reveal himself to you. Not through me, but through the text. That he might reveal himself as God to you. So I'm going to pray for us that he might do that. Holy Spirit, we are here for you. We want to, as hard as it might be, we want to try and push aside all the things that we might think we know who you are, the theories and the, the good, the bad, the ugly, just all of it. Push it aside and ask, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you reveal yourself to us? God, the Spirit, would you come and reveal yourself to us this morning, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Right, so we've looked at who the Holy Spirit is. He is God. Let's move on. What does the Holy Spirit do? Um, Again, the Holy Spirit does a lot of things. I'm not going to be able to go through an exhaustive list this morning. So I've picked a few things that I think would be helpful for us to walk away with this morning and that are quite formative. Um, So the first one is He animates life in creation. We even see later on, he reanimates life in Jesus' resurrection. But in the creation, he animates life. Right in the beginning that we read there, where he was hovering over, um, Ruach is the Hebrew word that, that's, that's, that's a, it's not just his spirit, but there's also uh, his energizing spirit. As God's speaking, the Holy Spirit is bringing form and structure to this, this kind of abyss, right? But then, even more importantly, Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. It is the Holy Spirit that animates life and creation. I think it's an important thing for us to know. And for some of you, that might sound very Eastern. It's like, oh, this like this force that creates life. Like it is. It's an Eastern book. The Bible is, and, and it makes sense, right? You look at all creation, you look at biology, you look at plants, you look at creation. You can see the, the Holy Spirit is holding it all together. Our cosmos, everything that is created, he holds it together. It is his, uh, his spirit that animates life in creation. And the second point, and this is somewhat related, is the Holy Spirit is involved in the conception of Jesus. This is also part of creating life, right? So we read about this in, in Luke chapter 1 verse 30. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. So those are the first two things I wanted I wanted us to. Part, part of the main things is He creates life. He was there in the miraculous conception of Jesus. And let's look at some other things that he does. And we're going to do four kind of in one. So if you if you have your Bibles with you, you turn to John 16. Verse four, John 16: verse four. If I was to put a little heading over these four these four points, uh, I would call it sanctification, which is the the process of us becoming holy. The Holy Spirit helps us become more like Jesus. And so, let's read that together, and I'll pause as we go through and highlight these four points. So, John 16: verse four. But I have said, this is Jesus. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me where are you going, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go, for if I do not go away, the helper, capital H, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So that's verse seven there. Depending on your on your Bible translation, it might say the Helper, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Interceder. So, he's, so it's a description of who the Holy Spirit is. He's our Helper. He strengthens us. He comforts us. When you're mourning, He's there to comfort. When you're weak, He's interceding and strengthening you, uh, interceding for you and strengthening you. So He is a Helper to us in this in this journey of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, as we want to become more like Jesus, he is helping us a little bit for little bit in our weakness. Let's carry on reading from verse 8. And when he comes, this is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It's the Holy Spirit who brings conviction. So this is something else that he does. He convicts the world concerning sin, righteousness and judgment. Scripture tells us it's only the Spirit that can change the heart of man. No matter how eloquent a teacher might be, no matter how smart you might be, it is the Holy Spirit that brings conviction. Not only in anticipation to the point where you get to salvation and you are, you are renewed, but continuously in sanctification. The, when you know you've messed up, when you know that you're missing the mark, when you know that things aren't right, that's the Holy Spirit that's bringing that conviction. So we've seen he's a helper, a comforter, a counselor. He convicts the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Let's carry on reading. Let's jump down to verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. The Spirit of truth. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. This is something else the Holy Spirit does. He guides us into all truth. This is super important for all of us. Who do you look to for truth? Is it a celebrity pastor? Is it Matt? Is it the elders? Is it your life repeater? Or are you looking to the Holy Spirit to guide you to all truth? This is really important for each of us. Even as we go through this now, don't just take my words for it. Let the Holy Spirit guide you to truth. Let it be Him that guides you to all truth. This carry reading from verse fourteen. He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That beginning part there. Verse 14, He will glorify me. This is one of the key objectives. If you see this throughout Scripture. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. In all of the things that He does, it ultimately results in Jesus being glorified. So we did four in one there, right? He helps, comforts, counsels us. He convicts the world concerning sin. He guides us into all truth. And He glorifies Jesus. Something else that He does. And I'm not going to read every single instance here, but I'll throw out some scriptures if you want to read them at home. Is he gives power in spiritual gifts. and We see this from the beginning of scripture. Uh, in Genesis 40, there's an example of Joseph who he gives the power to interpret dreams. You'll remember Joseph's in jail and he interprets the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer and then for Pharaoh. He has this, this supernatural ability through the spirit to interpret those dreams. In Exodus 31, there's a guy by the name of Bezalel. He gets something pretty cool. He gets given this amazing wisdom, and he's uh, essentially like creative genius. He gets these artistic skills to create these beautiful things for the inside of the tabernacle. The spirit comes upon this guy, Bezalel for that purpose. In Judges uh, in Judges 13, you read the story of Samson, who gets supernatural sp- uh, strength by the spirit. In the Book of Kings, You can see the certain kings that are given wisdom to lead, like Solomon. You think of all the prophets in the Old Testament. The prophets are given this ability to look at history and look at what's going on and bring God's perspective to God's people. And then in the Gospels, you see uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus uh, and Jesus performing miracles and healings. And so in each of those cases, the Holy Spirit is giving power, or in some cases gifts, I want to, there's something important I want us to be aware of here. The power of the Holy Spirit is different to the presence of the Holy Spirit. They're not the same thing. His presence is generally just with us and available to us. Scripture tells us that we are now the temple of, of God. The Holy Spirit resides with us. When His power comes upon us, something different, right? It's just important to remember those two things. And then when the power of the Spirit does come upon someone, it's always for a purpose. It's not for an experience. It's for a purpose. And so, Um, if you turn in your Bibles to Acts 1, verse 6. Acts 1, verse 6, he says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed in his own authority. Here, from verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus is really clear that when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples, it's for them to go and be witnesses. It's not just that's not it's not full stop. Like the Holy Spirit will give you power, and that's the end of the story. The Holy Spirit gives them power to go and be witnesses, and the same is true for all those examples I shared. When the Holy Spirit gives someone a specific power for something, it's part of God's narrative. He's doing something. It's for an art working, uh, and and that's something that I think uh, is important for us to remember. And we can see this because you look at the disciples prior to that, and they weren't like the most confident and uh, vocal bunch, but you look at them when they're the apostles in the book of Acts, and they're different people. They've been given power to go and be those witnesses. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. We've been through this quite a bunch at the end of last year as we've looked at what it means to be a church that is a priesthood of all believers. This is about the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. It says, Now there there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You can see clearly it's this one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that gives these gifts. And there's not one of them that is more prestigious or more important than another. Uh, Like we've done in the past, Paul uses this analogy of a body. Every part of the body has an important role to play. He has the thing about gifts is you can't choose gifts. Unless it's your secret sancta party with your life group where you get to steal gifts from each other, but that's really, that's a different thing. When it, by and large, you don't get to choose gifts. It's God who, or the Spirit here, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Right, so we see He gives power and gifts. The next thing that He does, is the last one that I'm going to, again, this is not an exhaustive list, there are many other things. The last thing that I wanna talk about that he does is he unites believers. If you have your Bible, Ephesians 2 verse 18, he unites believers. Ephesians 2 verse 18, let me read there. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. He, he takes us, no matter what your disposition, no matter what ethnicity, what socioeconomic group, uh, economic group, no matter where you come from, he calls us all sons and daughters, makes us all part of the kingdom of heaven. We are citizens part of his kingdom. There's a unity through this through the spirit that comes upon us. We are now all one people group, citizens of heaven. Carry on there from Ephesians 2, verse 22, a little bit down. It says, In Him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is together, collectively, not on your own at home. Here as we sit, as we meet in each other's homes midweek or on a Sunday. Together the Spirit is building us into a dwelling place for God. There's a unity that the Holy Spirit builds in us as believers. Right, so that was by no means exhaustive, but some things that I think are pivotal for us to, to walk away with. So we've looked at who the Holy Spirit is, he's God. We've looked at what he does, which is a lot. <laughs> um, and now, I wanna, I wanna ask this question, why is the Holy Spirit central to what we believe? The Holy Spirit is the primary manifestation for us today of the Trinity. What do I mean? This is how Wayne Grudem says it. I'm gonna pause in between this quote, um, just to comment. So he says in the old testament the presence of god manifested itself in the glory of god and in theophanies this is like what matt read with moses in the burning bush right god manifested himself in his glory in the old testament or mount sinai big clouds lightning loudness there's just like the glory of god is manifest among His people and he goes on to say and in the gospels jesus himself manifested the presence of god among men that's what monique was teaching on last week the flesh uh, sorry, the Word becomes flesh. Is God incarnate. He Himself manifests Himself amongst men. That's Jesus. But after, he goes on to say, but after Jesus ascended into heaven and continuing through the entire church age, including today, the Holy Spirit is now the primary manifestation of the presence of the Trinity amongst us. I wonder if we get that. To say, like, sometimes you kind of read... About the Old Testament, you're like, man, it would have been cool to, to witness a burning bush. Or, or you read about Jesus and the disciples, you're like, man, it would be cool to have, have been there and heard the teaching. But we have our own manifestation of the, of, of the Trinity today, here and now. That's the Holy Spirit, and He's amongst us. And, and, and this, is, this is crucial, right? The, God's Spirit is empowering Jesus to start a new creation. Actually, let's back it up. We saw in Genesis... The Holy Spirit is there, involved in creation. Then we know the whole Old Testament, things just go bad, things go fraught. Jesus comes along by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a new creation, there's parallels. Scripture often has these these patterns. There's the the old creation story, it gets redeemed. There's a new creation story. The Holy Spirit, through Jesus, is creating new life. And we see that he uh, goes and Jesus goes and heals and forgives people of their sins. He performs miracles. Where there is death, he's creating life. Then he goes on to breathe on his disciples. His disciples go on to go and bring others. There's this pattern of him bringing new life. And the Holy Spirit is still doing this today. He's still hovering in the dark places. He's still bleeding hearts to Jesus, transforming lives that we might become those that can love God and love others. So that is why the Holy Spirit is central to what we believe. So I want to end on this question. So if I believe all of this, how am I to live? Now, I can't tell you how to live, but I certainly can give you some suggestions that you can process. if, If all of this is true, and this is the Holy Spirit, and this is God with us, surely there should be in us a greater awareness of the Holy Spirit around us. This, is, this ties so well into what we did in February together, just that, that and actually the last two Sundays, this invitation of an intimacy with God. Surely we are there, there needs to be an awareness that God is here, that he is with us, that he desires to spend time with us and that he is accessible. And if this is all true, surely we are to be on the lookout for glimpses of this new creation. This new creation that the Holy Spirit is busy doing in me, in you, in your life group, at work, wherever, surely we ought to be on the lookout for these glimpses. The Holy Spirit is doing new creation continuously, He has not stopped. And then, lastly, if this is true, surely then we hold on to the hope that the Holy Spirit will complete this new creation process that He started in Jesus. Not only is he busy doing it, but we hold on to the hope that he will complete it. We read in Ephesians 1 verse 14, actually let's read from verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God that we have here and now is a, is a down payment. It's a deposit of what we will one day have. That's, that's, that's the hope that we have in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so the, the, those are the three things. If, if this is all true, I want you to think about these as, as, as we will sing in a moment, as we respond to God, that we might have an awareness of the Holy Spirit in and around us, this invitation for intimacy, that we might be on the lookout for glimpses of new creation in ourselves and those around us, and that we might hold on to the hope that the Holy Spirit will complete this new creation. And so I'm gonna end there, but before we just carry on, I I really have sensed over the last two Sundays and even more so this morning that there is an invitation from God to to ex, not just experience like oh I, I want to feel things but to, to authentically interact like he wants to reveal himself uh, in a way that you might not have experienced before and again I want to ask you I, I know it's hard but to put aside your preconceived notions and let God reveal Himself um, and so as we as the band comes up you guys can come up now the As the band comes up, there's an opportunity for us this morning to respond. To to first of all, let the Holy Spirit reveal himself. You can ask him and he will reveal himself to you. But then to respond, there might be adjustments that you need to make. I'm not gonna say this because it's me, but we read it, the Holy Spirit convicts. But there might be some of you that need to repent. There might be some of you that need to go to him for guidance and let him lead you to truth. All those things that he does, Maybe you just need comfort this morning. Maybe you're in a difficult place. He is the comforter, and he will meet you where you are and mourn with you. So wherever you're at, there's no template here. I'm confident that the Holy Spirit will meet you where you're at and that we might have the faith and courage to just respond and let him reveal himself. right.